1: I did want to let all the ladies know that we're having our upcoming Pool Girl Pro all women's training and it will be in Folsom, California, February 10th at noon. We will be going over how to wire automation and programming on the top automation systems we see. This class will be taught by myself and fellow member Deb Martin. If you're unable to attend in person, no problem. We stream it via Zoom as well just go to our Facebook group, PGP Industry Training Group, or you can email the podcast at talkingpools@gmail.com at for more information. I can't wait to see all the ladies there. Make your voice heard. Join the Council for the Model Aquatic Health Code. Lend your expertise to the MAC, science-based guidance from the CDC, and the only all-inclusive national pool code that addresses current aquatic issues. Learn more at org. That's C-M-A-H-C dot org. Okay. One, two, three. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan.
2: Hey, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Kelly.
1: Happy Tuesday. I am snacking on my conversation hearts because it is that time of year.
2: Is it dinner for you tonight?
1: don't feel like eating food I just kind of felt like snacking (laughs) on something so I I had a big lunch probably shouldn't be eating these right
3: now (laughs) but
1: hey the kids aren't here so I'm not being you know bombarded with I want some I want more yeah yeah you know Uh,
2: our kids our kids are older they're 21 and 23 almost 23 and you know our son's in Alabama I know I've sent it a million times so it's you know We, my wife and I don't eat at home much anymore. And, you know, maybe a couple of times a week, she'll make dinner and we'll eat at home. Well, tonight was one of those nights. And as things happen, I got stuck at work and wasn't able to make it. home. (laughs) Made, you know, ham and potatoes and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I, I sent her a texts when something at work went sideways and said hey i'm gonna be here a little bit longer and then i called her and i said i gotta go run over here and deal with this and she was okay i said what do you got going on you know for dinner Are we gonna meet somewhere or what she goes no i made dinner I'm like oh, of course you did
3: of course it's you like did. it well, never
2: fails that the you know when she happens to make a nice meal i end up screwing it up because i don't get home at any reasonable time and and whatever so anyway i ate I didn't. I'd say I'd eat cold ham and potatoes, but I didn't. I came home and she had kept it warm, warmed it up, all that kind of stuff. But uh, oh, that's nice. Anyway.
1: So. Yeah, I am um, we we're big snackers. We're not like big meal people, but I've been trying to cook more for the kids. Max still only wants frozen pizza and cup of noodle or chips. And so yeah. yesterday I was like, "Hey," I'm gonna cook. he's like, "I want McDonald's," and I'm like, "No." I'm making dinner. I want McDonald's. You're mean. I want McDonald's. (laughs)
3: I'm
1: like, get over it. Yeah. Like, what do you want for dinner? These are your choices. And he, of course, he wants what I don't. So finally, I was like, I'm making the executive decision. And we're having tacos. Oh, okay. So I was just like, you know, I made the, I wanted something that was quick. He wanted something that was going to be long. Yeah. And it was like seven o'clock. And I'm like, we don't have time to be making chicken and rice. Sure. At least the way he likes it. Right. We'll be eating at like nine o'clock.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, I I ate, uh gosh, a little over, maybe 45 minutes ago. Okay. So for me, it's nine o'clock right now. So yeah, you know, eight, eight thirty and.
1: I just don't know how to cook for, I guess you can call it one and a half people.
2: Yeah, right.
1: I know how right. to cook for like five or more.
2: Well, it's the so, same same thing, you know, Colleen. Um, and, and shopping too, you know. It, yeah. You really, you don't buy stuff that is small enough. and So we buy all this food. And then she cooks it and we throw half of it away because it's only the two of us. Yep. And it just, I don't know, I'm sure it's not less expensive that we eat out many times, but it, it sure seems like it to me with everything we're throwing away when we do eat at home. So
1: oh, yeah. I, I guess a, I
2: justify it that way.
1: I shop on Instacart and I do that because I don't buy as much.
2: Oh. Okay. And yeah.
1: So we buy what we need. But we even with that, we still have stuff that we throw out just because like even like buying salad, for example, they give you enough for five, four or five people. I'm only one person. And if you buy the salad where it's like resillable,
3: Yeah.
1: It's for even more people. And so it it goes bad before we can eat it. Right. And I only have the kids, you know, during the week, three days. And when it's my and then when it's my weekend. So it's not like we're going to go through a lot. Yep. Yeah, especially since my kids are at those ages, they just want cup of noodle and chips
2: and pizza. Well, you all know, you got to pack the leftovers, throw them in the truck with you and, you know, have salad out of a bag during the day.
1: <laughs> if I remember to make my lunch. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh,
2: speaking today of today, I'm, today you were you ran into something kind of interesting, didn't you?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, one of my warranties. This was this was an interesting gentleman. Uh, called me because he said his pump wasn't working. And so I, I was like, okay, you know, and he's like, I'm calling you because it's a it's a Hayward pump. I'm like, okay, when was it installed? Oh, three or four years ago. Okay, well, I, I, I need to know, like, is this a brand new pool, existing pool? And he's like, it was a brand new pool. I'm like, okay, I need to know at least when your startup date was on your pool. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, and then I was just like, okay, well, I could just look at the serial number to see what the date is on that if you don't have any documentation. But that may make it so your warranty is, is you know, over before it was installed.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: And he's like, so is this free? <laughs> I was like. Yeah, if it if it's covered under warranty, if it's a you know manufactured defect, yeah, it will be free. Well, how long's the warranty? I'm like, well, it's three years. Well
2: So he quickly counted back and made sure it was like two months or two years, eleven months or something, right?
1: Yeah, and I'm just like, sir, I'm gonna need some paperwork to say that. Like I yeah. just need something. And so he did find a piece of paper from the build, the designer of what equipment should be put in. So, it would expire in in March. Okay. Is it free for you to come out? Again, sir, I'm not sure. I won't know until I come and see what's what was the cause of the issue. If it's a manufacturer defect, it will be covered. If it is not, you will have to pay me 100 right. something dollars for my service call fee. Well, I I don't want to pay anything. Yeah. And I don't know when my, my warranty is and all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, give me all the information you have, paperwork-wise. And give it to me. I'll contact Hayward. We'll figure out the logistics. So I did, he did send me this list of items the, the designer said to get, which he said he just bought them all. To so Contacted Hayward. Didn't have the serial number because he took a picture of the serial number on the motor, not on the front of the pump.
3: Yeah.
1: And so Hayward's like... As long as it's not an installation error, we'll, we'll cover it. I'm like, okay, call them back. Is this free? I don't, I'm like, I'm not sure if it's, an, I had to say this like multiple times this guy. I don't know how many times I, or I didn't know how else to say it. I didn't know how many times more I need to say it. Yeah. So, but I still had to give him the same spiel. I give everybody, if it's not covered a warranty, you're going to have to pay me $135 for a service call fee. Well, how will you know if it's, if it's covered i have to come out and take a look oh my god Anyway, so i get there and there were a few problems with the way it was installed the first thing i noticed was they use romax 12 gauge in an inch and a half conduit
2: half inch conduit
1: oh yes half i'm sorry <laughs> it's like 7 o'clock and I'm tired.
2: Yeah, I get it. <laughs>
1: uh, it was, yeah, it was 12, 12 gauge uh in half an inch conduit, which you're not supposed to do because there is a percentage, I believe you have to have what, 83% or 63%.
2: Um, you, If I remember, I think you can only fill 53% of the conduit, yeah. you have to leave 47% of it open. Yes. That's right. that's what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, and it is not so that it doesn't cause any overheating and melting and right. all that jazz. So it's not that he used the Romax that was bad. It was just he should have put it in a larger conduit. Mm-hmm. Next thing that was wrong was the installer wired it for 120 volts, which that's fine with. Hayward's pump you could do 2 240 or 120 but he switched the wires so where the the l1 for the live goes they he put the neutral okay. and where the l2 slash neutral is he put the the live the the live black wire
2: the hot wire yeah
1: yeah the, and um but for some reason it worked for however long he had it but then when I went to the breaker, they used a 240 Siemens GFI breaker, but only used one leg of it or one pole of it.
2: Oh, yeah, because it's a 110 feet. Sure.
1: Right. But technically, you're supposed to use a 120,
2: Yeah.
1: you know, one, single pole 20 amp breaker GFI protected if you're going to okay. do that. Right. So, there were some issues. Um, we still covered it. And I fixed those things so that it wouldn't be unsafe.
2: Oh, that's good. The On the breaker, mm-hmm. was there anything else connected to the other half of it? No. Oh, okay.
1: So, you had... Yeah, I looked at that when I first got there. I'm like, wait. Yeah. Um, they put the the black live hot wire on the first pole. And sure. then they put the neutral on the neutral uh part of the break.
2: The neutral load. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a plus. At least they got that right.
1: Yeah, that that was <laughs> great. Um I also was like, well, maybe they meant for this to be 240 due to the fact of the white on L1 for the live yeah. hot wire. But it didn't make any difference. The pump still didn't work.
2: Okay. So did they uh, Did they power, did they at least power the pump directly from the breaker or did they run it yes, through they a relay? Did. Okay. they did.
1: They did power it directly, so I was proud of that.
2: Good, good. Well, obviously this plays into the, what are we on now, part three of or part two of our uh, electrical three? series? I don't even know. We're, we're not keeping good track. What a failure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we're on part two. We yeah, might... you're right. It's part two. Part two.
2: That's right. Last week okay, we talked please about give safety us a break, and everyone. And... We
1: do this um, on the off hours. Yeah. Um, And Mr. Uh Dan here is getting ready for the Atlantic City show. So I'm thinking he may be a little checked out.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've got, there's a lot going on. And, and yeah, we're certainly squeezing a lot in. But yeah, no, this is part two of our electrical series. I'm going to write that down so I remember part two, part three. Okay. Now I've got notation, so we'll remember. But anyway, it rolls right into our part two of the electrical series that we're doing. Yes. Um, we're, uh, and and what we wanted to talk about today is wiring and breakers and, and stuff like that. So I noticed in the pictures that you sent me earlier today when you ran into this lovely mess Um <laughs> A couple of things that I, I thought maybe our listeners may or may not know uh, we might have talked i don't know if we mentioned this last week but i know we've you and i've talked about it before how we've both seen even electricians put uh multiple wires on a breaker under yeah. the same screw and breakers by design are there are two different kinds of breakers out there relative to where you attach your wires to them um they don't really have a term for it but i i kind of have always referred to them as either a single tap connection or a double tap connection and it's it's usually pretty clear by looking at the screws on the breaker itself but if not you can always look at the breaker and there are notations on it as as to whether it is a breaker that can accept more than just a single wire on each screw. And, and by more than a single wire, it's never more than two. Yeah. So the, the particular Siemens breakers that you were dealing with today were all what I would refer to as a single tap. The screws are designed, you can only put one wire into that receiver, if you will, for the, for the uh, breaker. Um, but we've both seen where people will jam two or sometimes even three wires into that little hole and tighten the screw down and think that that's a good connection. Yeah. And it's not. Um, so we run into this in the field all the time. And, and, you know, we we try to make sure our techs are trained that they know when they run into that. It's a it's really a very easy fix. Um all you need to do is pull the wires off of that screw terminal, get a piece of wire, a single piece that you put into the screw terminal on the breaker, strip the other end of it off and wire nut it to the other wires that were originally on the breaker. So you're just making a little kind of jumper, if you will, with a single wire that wire nuts to the, the two wires or if, God forbid, there were three in there to get those uh, all connected together. Um so it's a, it's a pretty easy fix. Now there are breakers that are again what I'll loosely term double tap connections and uh those usually where the wires attach it looks much like a relay that we're all familiar with seeing inside of a Hayward or Pentair or Jandy control box where if you know that there's like a a square metal plate under the wire or under the screw rather And if you loosen the screw, you can see where you can on either side of the screw slide a wire straight up in. And when you tighten the wire, the metal square plate is drawn down over both of those wires evenly. Now there are some things that you need to be sort of conscious of, in that both the wires need to be the same gauge as well as the same type. Otherwise, it's really not a proper connection. So what I mean by that is if you're using 12 gauge stranded wire it has to be 12 gauge stranded on both sides of that screw underneath that plate if you were to use 12 gauge and 10 gauge the 10 gauge wire being fatter is going to prevent that plate from drawing down tightly onto the 12 gauge side and it's it's going to be lopsided and and that's not going to give you a good connection you're going to end up burning out the most likely the relay prematurely because of yep. a poor connection on that 12 gauge side because of the fatter 10 gauge. You can also run into that stranded wire and solid wire as different diameters for the same gauge. So if you had one 12 gauge solid, one 12 gauge stranded, and you put it under there, you can run into the same kind of thing. So you really want to stay with everything stranded or everything solid and everything the same gauge when you're using these, uh, again, what I loosely term a double tap type of connection. Um, I mentioned the the wire coming off a breaker. If you're gonna if you need to connect two wires to a breaker, that you put a single wire in the breaker, torque the screw down, breakers will always tell you the uh torque yes. in terms of foot pounds that you're supposed to exert on that screw, no different than tightening lug nuts on a on a rim on a car.
1: And those um semen breakers, as I showed you earlier, it's it makes it nice and clear what that is it's really easy to see
2: yeah so they and they're the different size wires will have different torque um which makes sense to me because you know the of what you're doing and the diameter of the wire relative to what it's going into and and the distance the screw is compressing and all the rest of it but at any rate when you when you use this single wire as a jumper if you will from the breaker to then a couple other wires in a wire nut um a real common mistake when connecting wire nuts that people make is they take say you got two wires you're putting together under a wire nut they'll take the two wires and twist them together and then put the wire nut on and twist it again and that's an improper way to use the wire nut when you use a wire nut your wires should be straight you know you, you you cut the end of the wire you strip the the sheath off and you put them next to each other and put the wire nut on them and just tighten it down you don't pre-twist the wires into one another when you use a wire nut
1: and then also use the right wire nuts depending on the size of wire
2: yeah and we were we talked a little bit we'll talk a little bit more today about colors on wires but um wire nuts are colored too right Yep. and uh you know they they go know, blue there's a very very small blue orange a little bigger yellow a little bigger red a little bigger eventually you get back to blue again on the larger side but um you know the right size wire nut for the right gauge or number of wires that you're putting together is is an important fact for sure
1: and then what i have noticed when you do buy those wire nuts in the various colors is on the container it will tell you what gauge wire how many of each particular gauge can Mm -hmm. go into that wire nut. So you're not just playing a guessing game of let's see which one will fit. Obviously, if you've lost the um, container, it might be different, but you could probably Google it because the colors are pretty uniform. It's not like you're going to buy one brand and they're going to have pink, purple, and yellow, and the other brand is going to be yellow, red, and blue.
2: Right. Which is, uh, again, with the colors of the wires, Fairly uniform kind of thing too. You know, when when we get into, we talked a little bit last time about, you know, black wires and red wires are your your hot, your your power side. Uh, white wires and also a light gray wire are common. Are, are your neutral wires? Um, not a lot of people know that gray is, as NEC says, a uh, Color that's used to indicate a neutral. Um,
1: I think that's pretty logical. You know, colors of absent color showing neutral.
2: Yeah, the, a gray wire in a box often looks white if you don't yeah. have a white wire in the box next to it. Um, you know, what you had mentioned how three-phase power the colors indicate yes. something. And, you know, usually with three-phase power, we'll see um, a black as line one, red as line two, blue as line three. If it is a low-voltage three-phase, and by low-voltage, we're dealing with stuff that is 240 volts or less. When you get into the high-voltage three-phase, although I usually still see red and black and and blue used there, um, truly, you're supposed to use these other shades that are like brown and orange and yellow to indicate that it's you know like a a 480 instead of a 240 type of a three phase situation.
1: I thought it was interesting when I first started getting into commercial stuff with wiring how um, a lot of the equipment sets that I would go to to do repairs or warranty, that were three phase the pumps would get 208 volts instead of 240 volts
3: mm-hmm.
1: yep. i thought that was interesting and so some of these pumps and other equipment that go there they have ranges of how many volts you can have so you have to know that especially in the three phase sector because you're not going to when you when you test it you're going to get what was it you take one test test lead and put it on the ground and one test lead on the L1, and you get 120. You do the same thing on the other leg, and you still get 120, but when you do the two together, you get 208.
2: 208, exactly, right. And and with that, too, um, you need to make sure if you're ever replacing a motor on a pump like that, that you're using a motor that's rated for the proper voltage. Yep and that 208 can be something that trips people up often they're they're in the city of chicago there everything is three phase but you can get single phase power off a of three phase mm-hmm. so although a property uh, you know high rise might have three phase power um, oftentimes the pump for the pool if the pool isn't real large and so forth will run single phase 208 and if you go into that application with a motor that's designed for 240 volts and put it on the 208, the motor's going to end up burning up prematurely on you because it's operating at more than 10% less than its design voltage. So the yeah. motor runs very hot, and it has a, a pretty short lifespan as a result. And we've, we've had properties that we've serviced for years where the, the maintenance People in the building are like, oh, yeah, we got to put a new motor on this hot tub every year. <laughs> really?
3: Why, Why is that? Oh,
2: they just don't last. They just burn out. You know, like, a hot tub gets a lot of use, blah, blah, blah. And then we go in and we find out it's it's a motor that's not rated for 208 single phase. It's rated yeah. for, you know, 230, 240, and, and it's just burning out because we get the right motor, put it in there, and, and you know, the thing's going for years and years. So, anyway. Yeah, it
1: does it does say... If you look on the side of the motor that you're going to be putting in or the pump that you're going to be putting in, it will say those voltage yep. Um, ranges.
2: Yep. Um, and But with that, you can you always need to be careful of the existing one that's out there because, you know, and it's tripped up us at times where, you know, the technician won't confirm the voltage on site. We'll just look at the existing motor in there in the case of that hot tub I was just referring to, if if we didn't measure the voltage and see that it was actually two oh eight instead of two forty and just looked at the motor that was there, well they've been putting two forty motors on it forever. Yep. So if we go to get an R two forty motor, we're just doing the same thing they're doing. Yeah. And you know, we need to be smarter than that, confirm the voltage and uh, and get the right right motor for right application. And then, you know, back to the point of what we're talking about. Today, yeah. Make sure that the wires are proper uh and and i'm not i don't know i i guess i would love to see us go out and take wrong colored wires out and and put the right colored wires in but i know that's not going to happen out there unless there's a reason for you to change the wire you're you're really not going to get into doing that
1: yeah i had one one time i did i had to do that but that was because it was all purple
2: Okay. Yeah, you right. You were talking about that last week. Yeah. So um, right.
1: So there's but, an instance where you you tell them yes, we need to change this.
2: We need to change it, right? And the bigger instance is if the wire isn't proper for the application yep. because of its size.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you know, so in addition to these these other things we're, we're talking about and. Those of you that are listening to this podcast, when this podcast airs and, you know, if you find the link to it in the Talking Pools Facebook group, we'll post some information, some graphics and so forth in the comments below that, that, you know, you might save them on your phones or your your tablets or wherever you got out in the field in a place that you remember where to get them. And, and you can refer back to them. You know, we'll have a, a color coding chart for wires if it's something yeah. that might be helpful to you. Um, and some other things that we'll mention as we go through this episode. But um, making sure the wire is proper size to the application. What do I mean by that? Wires can only conduct so much current through them, current in terms of amperage. And if the wire isn't large enough in diameter, this is one of those cases where diameter is the most important, um, the, the right gauge then the wire will superheat. It'll fatigue at least. It will get extremely hot and likely catch fire. And that's the reason that we want to make sure everything is sized right. So we commonly out in the field see 12-gauge wire. That's like almost unanimously what's used in our industry, right? Yeah,
1: I would say probably about 85% of the time we use 12-gauge wire.
2: And what, what a lot of people don't, don't realize is 12 gauge wire is only capable of handling 20 amps of current continuously Mm -hmm. so if you happen into a situation where there's some component that draws more than 20 amps and it only has 12 gauge wire um, odds are really high that you're gonna have a problem there hopefully the problem is relatively minor but you could actually cause a, a fire and you know electrical fires are not something to to.
1: i think people really need to keep that what you're saying right now in mind especially when they're going into um equipment remodels or upgrades yeah um because a lot of at least in my area the older pools which have maybe one or two yellow timers the wires are just 12 gauge going from the main box to that equipment pad. Mm-hmm. But when you start upgrading to automation and heaters and pumps and all this, you know, fancy stuff, I guess you can call it. You need to make sure that your wire size is adequate to power all of that. Right. So you may not, 12 gauge may not be enough.
2: Yeah. And often... Often it's not, especially on feeds yeah. into the the pool equipment box, whatever that box may be. You know, the uh, our friend Heather the other day um, was was talking to us about a, a pool she had built, and and she was the death pool. Yeah, the death pool, which <laughs> you guys did an episode on, and and I, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that we all run into at some point in our yeah. lives. But um, as she looked in the electrical box, she went, this doesn't look right to me. Now, she had an electrician wire everything up here. And help me remember, Kelly, how many pumps were out there? Two. Two. They were Hayward pumps. And if yep. I remember right, those pumps have a maximum amperage of 11.4. 11. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, say 11 amps a piece. It might be a little bit more, but say 11 amps a piece. What else was in that backyard, do you remember? There were other
1: Yeah, there was the two pumps, a filter, a HydroPure, seven lights, and a blower.
2: And the HydroPure That is, is
1: that? A, That's a AOP system, so it is um what's it called? UV and ozone okay. um system, and they ended up having that wired with the two pumps in
2: one okay. and and my guess is that that's not a ton of amperage on that unit but it's probably no. still at least four or five amps. well what
1: was happening was she would turn the pump on and she's you know trying to make sure everything works get everything's you know squared away for the customer so then when she did the orientation with them everything was working properly yeah but when we would go to turn the hydropure on after everything else was on for the that one breaker it would trip the breaker okay and that's when i was like okay we need to open up the box see what's attached to what's going on
2: oh so that's what prompted her to see all of this yeah sort of craziness in the box that makes sense <laughs>
1: Kelly and Dan will be right back after these messages.
3: Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's tech for tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today
1: hi it's kelly with talking pools on tuesdays with kelly and dan i'm here with ipsa to talk a little bit about themselves hi uh, my name is katrina i'm with ipsa i've been with ipsa for about eight years president of the east bay chapter Um, some of the things i love about ipsa is that it uh want everyone wants to be professional and it produces professional people And one of the great benefits of IPSA that a lot of other um, organizations don't have is sick route coverage. So if you have um, an emergency or an illness, then you know that you're not gonna lose your business because you couldn't work. I strongly, strongly recommend joining a trade association. Yes, I think you should join IPSA. Um, Thank you for letting us talk with you for a quick second. Thank you. Um, If you're interested in IPSA, you can go to IPSA.com or you can even uh, contact someone within your area or even check with your distribution of who the chapter is for where you are. So have a nice day.
2: Well, you know, if you just the two pumps and, and that unit by itself, forget the lights, forget anything else going on in the backyard, we're, we're sitting at about 20, probably six or seven amps yeah and you know we just said 12 gauge wire can only handle a continuous continuous amperage of 20. so the as we look at pictures that heather's sharing with us we notice that the power feed from the house into this box is a 12 gauge wire yep so the electrician ran a feed from the house 12 gauge my guess is it was probably on a 30 or maybe even a 40 amp breaker in the house. So, you know, uh, going a step further from making sure that wires are sized properly for the load they need to deliver, making sure you have the right size wire for the pump and for the lights and for a blower and whatever else you've got going on. um, You need to make sure that the wire is a match to the, Breaker. Yes. So the breaker, being the the safety device that's going to shut off should over amperage occur to prevent a fire. You, we see all too often where electricians or you know lay people, do it yourselfers, or people that just don't have this kind of of knowledge, will put in a 30 or 40 amp breaker with 12 gauge wire. Well, if the 12 gauge wire can only handle 20, even if it's only running out to one 11 amp pump, oh, not a big deal, right? We're way under amperage. That that wire's gonna run cool. If there's ever any kind of a short that would cause that wire to have more amperage drawn on it, or if the pump were to have some sort of a a failure that causes it to draw more amperage, if that pump starts drawing more than the twenty amps the wire can handle. Again, that wire can catch fire. Yep. And if the breaker's thirty amp, it's not going to trip until the thirty amps is achieved.
1: Well and that just because you put a piece of equipment in and it keeps tripping does not mean you put a bigger breaker on it.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's
1: because then you're you have that safety issue. I had a heat pump I warranted and they kept when I, I went because the board stopped working, but the homeowner was like, you know, this thing constantly was um, tripping my my breaker, and so the installer came and they and they replaced it with a larger breaker. And so I look and I see what it is. They this particular heat pump you need a 50 amp breaker, non GFI. You don't put GFI breakers on heat pumps. It will trip them every single time. And so the, the installer, instead of just putting the c- correct b- breaker, which is also a lot cheaper, they just put a bigger breaker on. Mm. And it's like that's going to that's gonna cause issues because you want to limit the number of amps max so that it is a safety feature, not a right. well, here's just a, a switch that you're turning on and off.
2: And with that, was that did they run 12 gauge wire to that heat pump too? No,
1: not. luckily okay. they, they they ran this the right size. They ran a okay. uh, number six wire. Good. But my point was is you can't just just because something's tripping doesn't mean put a bigger breaker.
2: No. You need to figure right.
1: out why is this tripping.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But,
1: and I know there's a lot of people that I've I made that comment to about heat pumps don't put a GFI breaker or a GFCI breaker on it. And they're like, well, that's not safe. And I'm like, the way that the heat pumps work, it trips the GFCI. So you do not put a GFCI breaker on the heat pump.
2: I wasn't aware of that we don't have heat pumps in our market. It's it's not long enough of warm enough air for them to be effective. So gas is what we use by us. The um, you know in our springs, April, May. Heat pumps have effective use when you're into June through okay. sometime in August.
1: Well, oh, then there's really not a point if it's that short.
2: No, and when we once we hit the middle of June, my own pool is 84, 85 degrees from the middle of June until the middle of August without any heat on. Okay. So, it, it you know, we need to heat our pools from April 1st until the middle of June and from the middle of August until November 1st. Yeah. And during that time, the nights can get down to, you know, 50 degrees, 45 degrees, and, and heat pumps just aren't going to do anything
1: yeah. for us. They work really well in my area. So um, yeah. another wiring thing that I did occur or I did experience, um, again, on a heat pump, I went because they couldn't get to turn on. And they they did have a 50 amp breaker on it. However, they use 10 gauge wire on it.
3: Hmm.
1: The installer said that he thought he could do that because it was a short run, that he could downsize the wire.
2: Yeah, you know, in, in some cases there are, I mean, there there are definitely links of wire definitely play into it. Um, but not going from a six to a ten.
1: No, it should have been either a six or an eight. Right. And yeah, he went down to a 10. And in this particular situation, I had to collect $135 mm-hmm. from the installer and have them reinstall it correctly before I can come back out and warranty the equipment. Yeah. And that may not, ha- and to be honest, that might not always be the option. Sometimes right. they will just be like, sorry, you installed it wrong the first time. We're not covering it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I.
1: Because I, isn't there a formula to how much you can downsize. In those short run situations.
2: I don't. I'm sure there is. I mean, all of this boils down to math in one way or another. But I know. The, the truly every piece of equipment you ever install comes with something. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this in the past as to tools that you should use. And that something it comes with is a manual. And. Yeah, and those manuals will tell you the proper wire size, the proper gas pipe size, the proper whatever. And if there is an option to go, uh, they usually identify that. You know, say up to 50 feet, use eight gauge. If you're going from 50 to uh, or over 50 feet, or 50 to 100 feet, or something like that, use six gauge. You know, like they the, mm-hmm. usually the 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 charts are set up that way. They're they're set up that way on gas as well for gas heaters where you know okay if you're 10 feet away you can use a three-quarter inch pipe but you know from 10 feet to 50 feet you got to go up to one inch and so on um so yeah you're to your point though i'm sure there are formulas that that can i I was always
1: taught that if it is a short run and i mean short as in within six feet you can downsize the wire once so in this case, six is ideal, but you can go to an eight. And by the way, when it comes to wire size, the bigger the number, the smaller the wire, the sm- the lower the number, the bigger the wire. So if you have right. um, 10 gauge is smaller than eight gauge.
2: Right. Yeah. And it goes all the way until you as you go down, as you go from. You know, 12 to 10 to 8 to 6 to 4, eventually you get to 0, and then it goes back up. Um, But by then, you're dealing with nothing. We're never going to deal with any of that kind of stuff. No. You know, we'll use 6s, 4s, maybe. uh, And it's very, very rare that we're ever dealing with anything other than 4s. I
1: had one equipment set. We had to use 3s. Yeah. But we had, what, we were... Four pumps, a heat pump, a heater, sure. you know, control center. Um yep. I think that had like twelve lights on it. Like it we've,
2: was I think hundred and
1: twenty-five amps we did.
2: Yeah. Some of our bigger um projects we've had to run uh, you know, one out or three odd. And when I say the numbers go the other direction, that's that's what they to. You go, you know, eight six three, then you go to it's it's written one slash zero,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, and you know it's 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 called one out and then the next one is three out Well, one out wire is good for 150 amps, and a three out wire is good for 200 amps. And we've had projects where we've had to run, uh, you know, a uh, hundred 150 amp service from the house to the pool mechanical area because of everything going on in the backyard
1: on that and pool i made sure the builder or had the electrician come and pull that wire oh yeah it was like 150 r- foot run and i'm like i'm not yeah. doing that
2: yeah and That's that wire
1: expensive.
2: <laughs> not only is it expensive but it is miserable to work with it's, it's heavy it's heavy it, it doesn't bend it's uh it doesn't pull and everything you know and actually there's another thing that that we should talk about is is Although on the service side of things, we don't get into this a ton, but bends. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can't tell you how often.
1: Is that the 360 rule?
2: The three, exactly right. 360 rule. Wow, that sounds like it might be a quiz question. Um, That would be a good one. The 360 rule. So conduit um, from a pull location to a pull location by NEC code is not to have more than 360 degrees worth of bends. So, you know, four basically 90-degree bends is all you can do. Now, sometimes you got 45-degree bends or 30-degree bends, blah, blah, blah. But four 90-degree bends is all you can do. And And the reason for that is if you have more than four bends, more than 360 degrees, you can't pull the wire. Inevitably, 360 degrees is a full circle. And if you can imagine trying to pull wire around a circle through a pipe, all it does is draw in on itself to the center and bind. So it stops pulling. The friction stops it from moving. And if you force it through, odds are really, really high that you're going to damage the casing on the wire. Mm -hmm. And, and, cause something that will, you know, maybe it'll be immediate that that wire is going to cause an electrical short, or it may be something that, well, you, as you were pulling it through, it bared the wire, but then it moved another three, four feet down the pipe. And it just so happens that it's not sitting against metal right now, that bare wire it's in the middle of the conduit somewhere, but it's eventually going to be a, be a problem. So
1: I've had had ones where I think it makes, they went over the 360 rule. And the only reason I believe that is for a long time, I would always use a pull rope when I pulled my lights. Mm -hmm. And there would be times when I'm pulling that rope either way. And when I finally get it all out because I'm pulling the light, you can see where the rope had been um, rubbed so much it broke. Sure. And so that's how I know they exceeded that because. If they don't, it, it's not as hard to pull that light. Right. And so it does cause issues later down the road with people fixing when they're fixing lights that need to be replaced.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Lights are, and, and, you know, the reason I think for that is, especially with low voltage lights, is in, in a lot, in many areas of the country, pool people can work on low voltage lights. Mm-hmm. They can't work on high voltage stuff. Now, where you're at, where I'm at, we we are both because of you the way you're licensed, because in Illinois, yep. people just hope we kill each other or ourselves, I guess. <laughs> but um, people don't have to be we have to be licensed, but not specifically, you know, we have to have business license. That's all.
1: Oh, yeah. Here, um, if, any, if you're going to charge anything over five hundred dollars and people don't understand it's five hundred dollars the entire life of that house. Um, you have to have a contractor's license and then there's different contractor's license. There's for swimming pools, at least there's swimming pool maintenance and then there's building. So swimming pool maintenance pretty much covers you anything above ground, but you're able to do lights. Uh, You just can't dig trenches and stuff like that. That's where you have to have the the builder's license.
2: Yeah. So in Illinois, it, it doesn't matter. You need to have a business license theoretically but uh, you know today across the country especially since it's gotten even worse since COVID. there's so much work done sort of under the table because you know people weren't working and had to do something. but anyway don't want to sidetrack um lights in general are something that pool people tend to run conduits when the pool is built instead Mm -hmm. of electricians Mm -hmm. because of the phasing of the project because It's often low voltage and we can do it. An electrician doesn't have to be the one to do it in many areas. And pool people often don't know these things. So when they run the conduit, they think they're running pipe. And not that we like to see a lot of 90s in plumbing either for for water in a pool. But all they know is they got to get from A to B. And if I've got seven elbows to do it, I'll put seven seven nineties on this conduit and and do it. And a lot of times too, they might even be pulling the light as they're doing it. You know. So once it's in, forget it's done. It's never well, what's coming the
1: out. saying that I keep hearing for construction? It looks good for my house.
2: Yeah, right, right. <clears throat> so anyway, if you ever get into running conduit, running pipe, uh just remember the three sixty rule that Kelly told you that you, you don't have more than four bends. Um, there is some consideration if it's a minor offset bend. You know, if you're coming out of a box and and you're making just a, a slight little yeah. taper to the right okay. and straighten it again. And I'm trying to remember what the rule is, but essentially if the offset is no greater than the diameter of the pipe, I think is what it is. You don't need to consider it in your 360 degrees but you're not gonna have many of those. You know, you're gonna no. have one, maybe two of those at each end. So it's it's not gonna be a huge factor. But that three sixty rule is critical. And and on our construction plans, because I know things change when we're in the field, we try to design with three ninety degrees on all our conduit runs. Uh because inevitably on site, sometimes you run into where Site conditions require you to put a fourth in that you didn't account for on paper, um, yeah. coming up out of the ground where where you know you didn't think you would need to, or who knows what it is. But if you need more than four bends, you got to put an, uh, some sort of an access box, a, a junction box, a, a pull elbow. If you if you don't know what that is, it's a, an elbow. It's like a ninety degree instead of a sweep, and it has an access cover on one side that you can El- get into it. An LB box, an LB box or a pull elbow, yeah. Um, Uh,
1: yeah, and those those are actually helpful when you're pulling long distances. And from my understanding, you're supposed to have those pull boxes every so like so many feet when you have a a really long run.
2: Yeah, for the same reason that just the weight of the wire inside the pipe over long distances cause causes friction and causes it that. You know it's 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 gonna end up being a problem so yeah there is a, a distance limitation i don't know uh i don't know what that distance is and i guess it's because it's so long that we've never really run into it in anything we're doing i
1: think it, if i remember correctly it's like every 75 feet
2: hmm. okay that's it's interesting eight.
1: i think that's what i was told i don't do those long runs i am terrified yeah. of touching main panels yeah. so i leave that to the electrician there you go Um, now when it comes to breakers, I think people also need to understand not all breakers are the same. So you have like the square D breakers, you have Mm -hmm. Sylvanian breakers, you have different. It's not like you have a square D box for everything. So when you go in as maybe a service person and you're like, oh, the breaker's bad. That's easy for me to switch out real fast. You need to make sure you get the same breaker that's in there. But also make sure the breaker that was in there was the correct breaker. My sister recently was changing out a breaker on a pump. And luckily she got the correct breaker. But the breaker that was in there for the pool was not the correct breaker. Somebody had cut it to make it fit.
2: Oh, great. Yeah, breakers, and, and with that too, the electrical box the breaker is in is only approved for certain breakers. And that's something else a lot of people don't know. You know. The mount on a GE breaker, a Siemens breaker, a Square D home line breaker is basically the same kind of mount. But if you put a Square D breaker into a Siemens box, it's technically not right. Because that Siemens box was not tested with that Square D breaker. You you know, the, the box, you need to know the box to know that the breaker you're getting is actually approved for that box. And then even within Square D, Square D has two main types of breakers that have totally different mounts to them. Mm-hmm. They have what what's considered their home line, which, as I said, is very similar to the Siemens and the GE. Um, but they also have their uh, QO series,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which is a totally, totally different mount. So if you just open a door and go up, square D box, close it up and go run to the store. When you get back with that breaker and you picked up a home line and it's a QO box, you're going to be running back to the store to return it to get the. QO breaker because there's no way you can make one fit in the other box. So
1: it's not bad. Breakers when they're new are are harder to get into the box than breakers that are old.
2: Yep, they are. But they're they're um you know what I insist that our technicians do anytime they run into needing a breaker is take a picture of all of the data information in the box as well as a picture of the breaker removed from the box Mm -hmm. showing the mount style. So that when they get to wherever they're going, or in our case, oftentimes it's a matter of our purchasing people, ordering the breaker, so on and so forth. I don't want to waste anyone's time and money and getting the wrong part. So we always you know, insist on having pictures that we can convey exactly what it is that we're looking for. Right. Um, boy. That's been quite a bit so far, huh?
1: <laughs> it is a lot of information, but I think it was a lot of stuff people really need to know, even if they're not comfortable with dealing with electricity, just so that they can know what's going on.
2: Yeah, and and you know, I, I, if you're not comfortable, don't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? right. Don't do it. Don't we don't do need it. you to die. Be careful. Um, you know. Have somebody that's very familiar show you over and over and over. Um, our technicians really don't get into doing wiring uh, and until they've gone through a number of different training, both
1: in person and uh, in, in person
2: in the field, with the you know the senior technicians, with the the trainers, all this kind of stuff before we say. All right, now you're ready to do it and as i said last week a lot of that falls down to in my infancy in the industry when i electrocute myself <laughs> pretty bad and i don't want anybody ever running into something like that either to themselves or because of something they did that somebody else god forbid gets gets hurt by it so right. um, at any rate so that's part two yes, hope it was a help
1: if there is anything like, like uh, Dan said, we're going to post some resources when this episode comes out in the Talking Pools podcast group, Facebook group. So if, if you are not a part of the group, make sure to join so you can see those resources. Um, there is one book I would recommend getting if you're going to do electrical as a resource. Um, and it's called The Ugly's Guide. And it goes over the, the wire size that you can use and what conduit and all those things that you you need to know so um you can get it like on amazon yeah it's a little little tiny book
2: Yep, pocket book
1: yep yep it sits in my truck it never leaves
2: (laughs) yep great great Um, resource
1: but then like i said the resources we will be giving you are great to have on your phone you know screenshot them whatever so that you can access them later So if you have those questions, they're there. Now, if you have any additional questions on breakers and wiring, please let us know and we will get you an answer. If it's not on an episode, we'll definitely get it to you some other way. Um, So that's the end for today. And like us, share us, download us. Uh, If you have any questions on anything pool related, uh, email us to talkingpools at gmail.com keep in mind we are going to have a quiz at the end of this series and we will have a giveaway for the winners so if you whoever gets the most answers right and if there's multiple of you you'll enter to win
2: yeah we'll we'll have a way that uh anyone with if there's ties will kelly will draw draw a name out of a hat or something like that we'll figure out a way but uh, thank you to our sponsors, cmac and IPSA. Um, we certainly appreciate their help and, uh, you know, what they do. So we're able to get together and talk to you once a week. And uh, I guess until next week.
1: And next safe. week we'll be talking about NEC codes and other licensing.
2: Yeah. And then we'll try to not bore you. Codes can be boring. <laughs> we'll
1: we'll make them fun.
2: Yeah. Fun codes, but (laughs) all good information. So anyway, stay safe. We'll see see you you again next next time.
1: Bye.